I've got a question for you. Just one? Because I have several for you. I have multiple twos. And that's pretty much the topic of today is all the questions you receive usually. Okay, maybe not all because there's a lot I was going to say, when she says all, she means some. (laughs) The ones ones that I can kind of recall at least. Um, I would say this is definitely more tailored to outpatient. Yeah. Because I don't don't think you'd get a lot of these questions in in inpatients or... I can bring some Yeah. Some of them you might. But we're going to discuss questions you get asked and how we respond when we get them. And maybe you respond a little bit different. So tune in and see how we do it. Mm-hmm. Let's, go. Let's go. You're listening to the PT Assistance Podcast with your hosts, Ken. And Laura. Thanks for joining for another exciting episode. All right. So do you want to do, you want to take turns? Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? I don't have as many questions as you. So let me just so, knock mine out. Oh, oh I thought we were gonna alternate, but geez. Okay, we fine. can we can alternate. We can alternate. I'm sorry. So you go first. So I think this came up because over the past couple of weeks, and I would almost say just even today alone, I got asked a couple of these. So we decided to why not talk about these questions that we get asked. Mm-hmm. So the first one is gonna be involving. Um, performing a specific surgery. So I have a patient who just undergone a knee surgery, but now they're trying to get him to do a lumbar fusion. And Mm -hmm. he asked me what the lumbar fusion entails, like what it is, what happens, what's the recovery like. So then he proceeds to ask me if he feels like he should do it or not. And this is definitely a loaded question. Because I feel like we can't really tell them what they should do. We -hmm. can educate them on both sides and let them make their own informed decision and discuss their concerns with their, their surgeon or their doctor, whoever the case may be. But it's, we shouldn't be the ones to tell them that they shouldn't do it or they should do it. At least that's how I feel. I don't know how you feel, Laura, about scenarios like these no with the surgery yeah um a lot of times i bring up to patients i go personally i go this this has you know again this isn't anything backed by medical science or anything like that but i go personally you need to look at what the possible outcomes are going to be of like the good parts or the negative parts and are you willing to live with those possible negative ones for the chance of something better um and again, I I preference it multiple times that this is a personal opinion of mine of how I look and judge surgeries and whether or not it's right for you. And like I tell each of my patients who ask that is this is a decision that can only be made by you because it's only your body. And you can use the doctor is going to have the most knowledge. You know, the PT can also help advise you a little bit, but this is ultimately going to be your decision. Um, and I can advise you on what the surgery is going to look like in possible recovery afterwards, but I, you know, I'm not going to, I'm, I won't have all the answers because each person is different. So that's kind of like my go-to little bit of response, but I do like to bring up like, there's always risk with surgery. And so are you willing to put the risk on the line for a possible fix? So. And I mean, I. Also, just bring up the different kinds of surgery. So he just did a knee, like, arthroscopic type of surgery. Easy. And, 
yeah, it wasn't too bad. <laughs> so now he's kind of like, oh, now they're trying to make me do a lumbar fusion. Should I do that? And after having mm-hmm. his arthroscope, he's like, oh, that wasn't anything. I'm like, okay, well, there is a huge difference between yeah. what you just had done and what this other surgery would be. So a lot of it just kind of comes down to education, letting them know, okay, well, what's going to happen is they're going to fuse the bones. The mobility there is going to be completely gone. Um, and I'm just kind of like, what usually happens is like the the mobility has to come with somewhere. So the strain kind of comes above and below. So like that one kind of puts in the work. So that's why PT is important because you want to strengthen the core, make sure that the load doesn't take too much to the back. And then after that, it's just kind of, it's their decision on whether or not yeah. they want to do it or not. And if they do have quite a bit of concerns about it or more in-depth questions specifically about the surgery, then I always refer them back to their surgeon. Just surgeon. be like, these are things that you should write down. And then when you go back in with your follow-up, when you see them, ask them those questions. Yeah, I tell patients to start keeping a log sometimes if they definitely are older population of like, they're like, oh, I wish I would have asked that question to my doctor. I tell them to start keeping a little notepad and or in their phone or with them personally and write write those questions down so when they do go back in, they can ask those questions. Um, but that is a great thing of like advising them of just like, hey, these are different surgeries. Not everything's the same. And I also like advise they're like, oh, well, I know so-and-so who had it and they're fine. And I go, each person's just different. Just just know that. Like if their recovery was hard, doesn't mean your recovery might be hard. If their recovery is good, doesn't mean your recovery is going to be good too. So like I, I go, it all it all varies person by person. And that's something that, again, discussion with your surgeon is going to be the most important. But I always like to let them know like it is their decision. This is not something that someone else makes for them. So even if a doctor's pushing back surgery, does not mean you have to do it. It's all what yeah, you feel is correct. That's kind of on the boat that he feels like he's on. Yeah. Because he feels like when he went to go see the doc, they're just like, oh, you need back surgery. And they're like, if it was just this, this, and this, like I would tell you, you need it now. Mm-hmm. But it's not, so you have time to decide. But he can tell that he's leaning that way. Um, and he is a motor vehicle accident, so now the lawyers kind of weigh in too, and then tell him that it is. Yeah, there's a lot more hands. Recommended type of deal. So now it's like he doesn't feel like he's being forced to, but strongly but encouraged. Pressure. Yeah, there's pressure, and it's hard so, with the liens too, because a lot of times, like if they don't do something now when they have the opportunity, it's much harder down the line if he chooses to. Which I'm not that's saying almost is a good, exactly what he said. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not. He's I'm saying not saying that that's, that's a good answer of why to rush into it. It just sucks. That's the position. It's a hard situation into. to be in. Yeah. Yeah. So it definitely it, it's a bummer. But kind of sticking along the lines with surgery, my next question that I get quite often is, can I get rid of my sling now? My shoulder feels fine, or my knee feels great. Can I get rid of the brace? My back doesn't even hurt. Why am I wearing this thing? I get a lot of those. <laughs> um, Ken, you said you don't get those as much. I'm we don't see too many post ops. Okay. We see a lot of MVAs. That's why. Right now, um, but we I think do I'm, have. I've got like six post op shoulders. No joke. So I have one who is a lumbar, but she just took a fall not too long ago, and she broke her clavicle, so now she's in a Ooh. sling. And it's funny that you mentioned this question because. I think it was today when she was telling me um, that she is able, on her last doctor visit, they told her she can take it off between six and eight weeks, but her follow-up isn't until 10 weeks. 
So my usual go-to for this question is I go by whatever, whatever the doc says. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the times, even if you feel good, it's used as a almost like a reminder to don't use, don't overuse that arm. Yeah. Don't quickly reach out for something. Don't try to grab an item and lift it. Like it's almost used as a a cue to you still need to protect it. Make sure you mm-hmm. don't overwork it, and then just be okay. But I usually just tell them to stick to whatever the doc says, and don't take it off until they say so. Do they listen to me? No, not, not all the always. time. They do what they uh, want. My favorite but is when you see I, post ops just walk in with no sling at all, and you're like, "Excuse me, your thing says passive range of motion only. Where's your sling?" But like you must, you're you're probably not my patient because my patient should be in a sling. My patient should be in a sling. Not. Where are you, <laughs> dude? So I might where, use that on you one. Lost? <laughs> yeah. Seriously, I might like uh, we joke around. I could joke around with a lot of my patients, which is nice. But um, recently, like I've had the same thing where I had a younger patient. And he goes, "My shoulder feels fine. Like I'm good. Like like I can just get rid of the sling now, right?" And I'm like, "No, because again, education is key there about the healing rate, and this goes even for like braces, post op, uh, you know, ACLs and back braces. But like you might be feeling great, but things are healing, and a lot of times those major s- surgeries that have braces or have the slings, um, they've got anchors. And so you've got to let those anchors actually set in there. You've got to let bone grow around it. You've got to let scar tissue build up around it. So those anchors actually don't come out (laughs) and everything sticks where it is. And so you might feel great, but those anchors still need time. And that's something we can't rush. Um, I always tell my patients, I wish I had a magic wand that would just go, bing, you're good to go. But unfortunately, we don't have that. And I do tell all my patients I did call dibs first if I do find one. So and the thing about it is we'd be out of a job. So no, keep it under see, wraps I'd if pay, you do find I'd it. I could pay. Well, I was about to say I was going to pay, you know, that little ding would cost a lot. Oh, you're still going to charge them for the ding. Yeah, you, you still charge for the ding. <laughs> but like what if it's just like a one and done and then they never come back? I know. One and done. That's fine. Do you know how many people would actually show up to therapy then? <laughs> Just one time. I was falling down the rabbit hole. All right. Um, But on that note, too, is I do let patients when they're like, well, when can I get that sling removed? I do let them know, like, usually we see around between the four to six week mark. However, this is all up to the decision of your surgeon and you're to keep it until he says it. You can get rid of it. So I do try to give them like an idea. Yeah. An idea range. So that they're not like left hanging of like, do I have this thing for three months? Because a lot of times surgeons don't don't tell them. They just say, wear it till I tell you not to. <laughs> so. All right. So this next question, um, this one happened to me yesterday. Um, I had a patient. She's doing great. She's reaching the end of her visits approved. That's another MVA. She has 24 approved. I think she was on 21 as of yesterday. And she's asking me when she's done. Every time she comes in, like at first she was, you know, really willing participant and she still does. Mm-hmm. But recently she's just kind of like, I just want to come in, do my thing and get out. Like she just wants to go to work, do her stuff. And she's younger too. And, she, you know, she heals pretty quickly. And I tell her when it comes to, especially your scenario when you're in an MVA, like there's a lot of moving pieces here. So a lot of it, it depends on how you're feeling a lot of what our measurements and our opinion says, and then what the lawyer says, what your pain management or your primary, whoever the doctor you're seeing, 
So it's just a huge communication pool on what, how everyone's doing, how you're doing. You have a say, of course, like if you say you're doing great, then that's great. And I always tell them too, like if, as we're getting ready to wrap things up, if we do discharge, it's a lot harder to start back up because it's Mm -hmm. just like, well, you said you were fine. What happened type of deal. Um, So a lot of patients understand that and what we'll try to do. And I tell them too, is like, we're going to push the shoulder a little bit these next few visits. Yep. We're going to do a little bit more. Um, and then I ask them specifically, are there any activities that you do at work recreationally that you feel like you're having trouble with? If they say yes, then I will target those activities specifically, especially those last few visits. If they say no, then I just kind of throw some more advanced age appropriate exercises for the patient and then just see how they respond. Agreed. Um, The other thing I like to do, too, sometimes in that situation is if it's possible, also say, let's spread them out. Instead of you coming three times a week, let's have you come twice next week and go a little bit longer in between and make sure that, you know, you're able to hold, maintain this feeling good feeling or, you know, no pain at all feeling with longer times in between therapy. Um, and then same thing, like you said, Ken, it's just upping those exercises, making it feel like there there's a worth reason of coming in still. And I always tell them like, Hey, you know, we're almost there. Like, this is what we got. You're going to come up for a reevaluation. It is trickier with leans because of the fact, like you said, there's a lot of moving parts. So again, leans are anybody that has a lawyer, um, that's involved. So there, there's a lot more hands in the cookie pot. But like even with other patients who, you know, come in and they're like, I'm feeling great. And I'm like, "Okay, well, you know, let's try to drop you down to once a week and make sure you really feel good before doing the full workup of discharge and letting you go type situation. And most times they're willing. Sometimes patients are like, nope, I'm ready to be done. And it's like, "Okay, well, you know, I can't discharge you. I do let patients know that is out of my job description. However, I'll let the PT know. and um, the two of you can chit chat about that. So it, I always kind of my go to as well. Yeah, but I do agree. So. I do also bring up, um, and then just checking in with the PT as well. Um, yeah. dropping down Let their frequency. Know. Um, and some of them are like, okay, we can drop down to two times a week or one time a week. Let's see how you're doing, or maybe let's skip a week, and then we'll go from there. So that yeah. way they can get a sense of being out and about. And then I tell them, all right, if you do feel pain, just take note on the activities that you do have pain Mm -hmm. with. If you do feel sore afterwards, what did you do before? And that way it helps give us a little bit more guidance. And then we can target those things specifically. But the more we can communicate with those patients that way, then I feel like the more effective our treatment can be. Exactly. I agree 100% on that. Um. So another question I get is all the time, and Ken says, actually, when I brought this one up earlier, he goes, Actually, you're right. I get that one all the time, too, is when can I go back to the gym? And me and Ken both agreed on the answer on this one. You ready for Never. it? Never. Oh, that that wasn't going to be the answer. Oh, but now? No. Am I going too extreme that? here? It depends. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've been doing a pretty good job avoiding that answer so far. So far, yes, and I. this is the first time that it's going to really come up and go, it depends. It, it really depends on what they have. Like, for example, I have right now a post-op shoulder still in a sling, and he wants to head back to the gym, and I, or sorry, he wants to head back to tennis. 
not even the gym. He wants to head back to be active. And I go, no, I literally flat out told him, I was like, no, he goes, but my arm's in a sling. I won't use it. I was like, yeah, but what happens if you trip and, you know, you get your foot caught and you go down? That's a risk you're willing to undo all that work that was just done on your shoulder by falling like that. That's an extra risk you're adding in. What if a ball comes at you and hits you right in the shoulder? Not meant, but it just happens. Um, And so, you know, you have to bring up valid points of why if they're not able to go back to the activities they want. Why? And what's the reasoning behind it? Now, I also offered other solutions. I told him, you know what? You're in a sling. You can go back and you can just kind of hit the balls over the net, but no act of like playing, playing. Like if you're just kind of hitting them over the net, you're not running back and forth. You're not playing a game. You're not playing with other people, really. Like you could kind of volley a little bit if you wanted to, just very gentle, light, just to kind of get, you know, moving a little bit. Yeah. But if it hurts, don't do it. So that's my big thing. And like I said, it all depends on the patient. Like there's other patients who there's there's are more minor injuries. And I'm like, sure, you can go do all the lower body you want. And then the upper body, you just stick to what we're doing here if they're an upper body injury or vice versa. So um, it all just depends on what really their injury is and why they're there. So I'm going to go with two different viewpoints. The first one is not MBA. Um, So that one, we see so much MBA, it's not even funny. But for, we have a patient, I think actually now, um, he hurt himself lifting and he was having sciatic pain. So now he's coming to see us and he wants to go back to the gym. And it's one of those things where I tell him everything that we're doing here at physical therapy, you're welcome to do at home. Or at the gym, wherever you want to do it, because those are specifically trying to get you back to what you're doing. And as far as the load goes, what I've been taught is you start with almost like 10 to 40% what you've done before, depending on how much pain you're in, I suppose. If you're up there, then you'd maybe go more 10%. If it's tolerable, you're okay. Maybe go more towards like that 20, 30, 40%. And start with that and you stick with that the entire routine and then see how you feel and then go back and then you can bump it up another 10%, another 10% and then try to gradually work your way back into the gym. And then a lot of it, and it's the same with physical therapy, it's the response. You might feel okay while you're doing it, but afterwards, how are you feeling? Because you could just be putting yourself down and now the next day you can't move. Or maybe you spark up your sciatic pain again and now your leg's on fire. So it's definitely a easier way back in. If your pain's really up there, avoid it or just stick to whatever we're doing in physical therapy. So just your AGP essentially. Yeah. The second viewpoint I, for... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say I agree. I also use the term of like you don't go from the couch to running a straight marathon. And that's pretty much what it's like after an injury. You You got to build your way back up. You can't just go right back to it. So kind of the same thing, like you were saying. And then the second viewpoint as far as the gym, it's they almost avoid it entirely. They just tell them not to be in there. And I feel like it's kind of like a double-edged sword. It just looks kind of bad if you're in the gym and you just got into an accident. It's like, yeah. you're, I just saw you lifting like 100 pounds, you know what I mean? Um, But we... Almost sticks to the same thing. So it's either A, just avoid the gym for now until we get better. We'll see how we're doing. Or 
same thing. Start with 10%. We will try to build back your strength with what we can here at physical therapy. And then same thing, whatever we're doing here, you're welcome to do at the gym. Mm-hmm. As far as the weight goes, keeping it light. And like you explained with the tennis player, like you don't want to undo everything you've done. You're making progress. You're feeling good. And there's a reason you're feeling like we're, you know, we're working towards that. And obviously it's working. It's effective. You're feeling better. It's not worth trying to push yourself past what your limits should be and then cause another injury. Yeah, set back. It's not worth it. So I agree on that. Um, so that was my next one. So can I pick right. you up? I have my last one. Um, this came up today. Uh, what's the difference between getting injections and an RFA? So a lot of times with patients and they get, a lot of times these patients also kind of get, uh, explain this while they're at the doctor's offices, but you know, they like asking multiple people. I'm sure they asked the PT before you walked in. Oh, they didn't pay attention. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or it's a lot. It's a lot of information sometimes that come in. That's why sometimes having a second person during those, uh. Appointments can be helpful because you're like, wait, did I hear this right? Sure. Sometimes doctors are like in and out too. Like they explain to you, perfect. Do you have any questions right now? No. Okay, cool. We'll see you next time. Yeah. Um, so they come to us. I have a patient with a significant back pain and they're about to go through some, they said trials on what's going to be effective. I think they said they're going to do some injections and test injection mm-hmm. sites. And then they're also going to do... Um, some testing for an RFA and then see what's going to be more effective and then go with that. I think they're leaning more towards injections first. If that doesn't stick, then go to the RFA. Um, But Laura, do you want to explain the differences here? So RFA is radiofrequent ablation, ablation, whatever. Ken says I say it wrong all the time, but I just pronounce ablation, okay? Um, You guys can roast me later for it. We all know I can barely speak English. I'm not saying you're saying but, it, it just it, you're just saying it with like a like an inflection that's just <laughs> it catches my intention. That's know. all. All right, go um, ahead. But what that does is pretty much um like I'm sure most of you guys know, it is burning a portion of the nerve so that the nerve is no longer a sensory nerve is not sending back pain signals. Um the other is injections. In most cases, we see more steroids or anything that's like an anti-inflammatory injection we are seeing some new injections like gel injections within the knees and that kind of stuff but usually if they're having a lot of nerve pain and they're kind of battling between the two you're not really going to see like a gel injection be one of the options um so really what the goal is for both of them is to bring down pain and decrease well for at least the usually cortisone shots or steroid shots is also to bring down any inflammation that could be causing irritation around the nerve. Um, and then if that doesn't work, a lot of times you'll see an ablation. And so there's honestly, when I, I tell patients, when it comes down to any type of injections, most of the times they're low risk um, and decent payoff, how long they last. I've had patients literally go, they never worked. I've had patients who go, I haven't felt anything since I got it three years ago. 
So it all just varies patient by patient, but I feel like it's a low risk one for them to the opportunity to try. Um, when it comes to ablations, honestly, I've heard some really good outcomes from those. Again, it's one of those things where if you really don't want surgery and this is an option to where you can still live your day-to-day life, this is, I would say, a good option to avoid surgery if it, if it is available. And like I tell all my patients, this is something that you and your doctor and your surgeon will discuss together because they uh, know more. <laughs> yeah, because it will depend on like, what they're getting injected. There's different injection sites. So I've had yeah. patients that do... The injections, they don't really feel like it works. They do their two-week follow-up, and then they get another round of injections. Whether they change what they're injecting or they change where they're going to insert the needles, like it can change. So just because the first round didn't help doesn't mean the second round won't. Um, But like Laura said, I I agree. There's patients that have never felt anything again. The first round was fine. They no problems at all, and had some that did absolutely nothing and everything in between. Mm-hmm. So the results from injections never... are all over the place. Yeah, I've never had anybody say they got worse from them. Have you? No, no one's ever really. Yeah, yeah I've like had, they've no been sore. Yeah, been I, that's sore, what I nothing... usually tell patients. I've like I've had patients come back and be a little sore, but they've never gotten worse from them. So I'm like, that's why I'm like, it's a little low risk. But again, this is something you and your your doctor and your surgeon can go over. So and that is between. I'm trying to think of, like you said, like it was like lower risk because it's, there's actually like a hierarchy. I can vaguely remember going through the program of like, you do this. If that doesn't work, then you go up the chain. And the very last thing yeah. was like open surgery. It's not something you want. And it's like, the, it should be the last resort. You should try all these things in between first. Um, yeah. But I agree. Remind injections are later, usually. I'm going to tell the, you a funny story about that. Um, yeah, do everything in between first, then yeah. you jump into that. Again, it's one of those things where it's like, it, in most cases, I, I shouldn't, in my experience of working the years I have, I've not had anybody come back with it worse, which might be very fortunate. I'm sure there's people out there, I'm going to be wrong, that have had bad experiences, but in my case, it, it hasn't been there. All right. So my next one for you, Ken, I had my list on my phone, disappeared. Oh, here we go. When is the swelling going to decrease? As much as we were trying to avoid it, it's coming back again. <laughs> it depends. Mm-hmm. When it comes to swelling, at least for me and what I kind of try to work around it, is like swelling isn't bad. It can cause discomfort, yes, but yeah. it's your body's response to an injury. The inflammation is going to happen. It wants to bring blood there because it needs the blood to repair. Like It's a process that your body feels like it needs in order to get better. However, it can come with limited range of motion. It can come with aches and pains and discomfort. So it's it's going to depend on where the swelling is. Is it in a dependent position? Like, is it in your legs? Is it in your shoulder? Is it in your hand? Are you constantly sitting down, walking, standing, your gravity being pulled? Um, are you not doing a lot of moving? Are you not activating your muscles in order to get the swelling to go down. Like if it's in your knee, make sure you're doing ankle pumps, doing the whole rest ice compression elevation. That's going to bring down the swelling. Mm-hmm. But the more active you are, the kid gets swollen yet again. So swelling is definitely person dependent. 
and activity dependent, location dependent. It there's a lot when it comes to swelling, but um, I think when people say like maybe a couple days, could be about a week, um, usually yeah. as long as it takes, and then you kind of reassess from there. If it's still swollen after a week, uh, I feel like it should get checked. Out. I guess it depends I on how much some... it's swollen. Yeah, and I think it depends. Again, it all depends on the patient. We all know that, but also. Definitely like what we see in total knees is you'll have a lot of swelling. The swelling will decrease, but then you can just have fluid. And sometimes that fluid just sits there and your knee might be bigger for life. Might be slightly larger than the other one for life. The fluid doesn't necessarily mean there's actually swelling. Um, So I do tell patients that, you know, each person heals differently. All that jazz swelling will go down. We do keep an eye on it, but um, it all depends on how your body reacts really so that's a that's i know not a very exciting one but well that's I'm, all the sure. questions i had i mean we're kind of getting on there on time is there one you wanted to squeeze in before we make our closing remarks here um the only one i had left is uh can you read my mri and tell me what it means and how and it affects by that me. i will take it absolutely literal I will read it to you, and that is the extent of what I'm doing. Um, the funny thing I is, will, I'll just read the summary. <laughs> I will like read the just findings. the interpretation. Yeah, the findings. Just yeah, just um, the findings. I was like, this all, this top part is all mumbo jumbo type of deal. Like you can read it, and it's very specific, but it's just a very tiny little portion at the very end. This is what you want to know, yeah. and I will read that to them. Um, word but I won't tell them where it comes, where we're going with it. I yeah. will direct them to my supervising PT. That way they can read it. And if they want to change anything, they can in the plan of care. If they want to keep it the same, which they most likely will, at least now they're aware and they can see what's going on. Yep. Um, from there, it's going to be talking to the doctor on where we're going from there. I uh, 100% I agree with that. just read it verbatim. Yeah, we're it not allowed to interpret. It you have a three millimeter disc bulge on the lateral portion of L3, L4. There you go. That's here. Got. I can tell you where L3, L4 is. Yeah. <laughs> that's And I there. can give you a ruler for three millimeters, but that's the extent um, of what I'm doing. Yeah. And like you can educate them on the anatomy itself, but you cannot educate them on what that means for them, if that makes sense. So like if they're saying, okay, well, can I touch my bolt? No, because, you know, you've got these bony parts that are blocking you from getting to that disc and it's more internal. So, like, you can educate them on the actual anatomy. Like, that's not wrong, if that makes sense. But you cannot be like, oh, you have a bulge. That means that this is getting compressed and this is what it means for you and this is what it means for your therapy going forward. No, our job is not, we're not to interpret MRIs. Um that is something that the PT can do and they decide if it changes anything going forward. So, yeah. I agree. Well, with that, we'll wrap this episode up. We are officially in December, which means we are releasing episodes one time a week starting next week. We're going to stick to, I think, Wednesdays um, as Laura and I kind of get everything figured out these next coming, this coming month. Um, and then starting next year, it's, We'll uh, tackle things one day at a time. Yes. But Again, be a little patient with us. Things are, are changing things in are, life. Ch- things are changing. 
Uh, but as always, thank you so much, guys, for listening. We appreciate wait, wait, everybody. I got We're... Fine, Laura. I was in my so fine, but you're doing you the closing remarks are... this time. That's fine. If you guys are <laughs> listening to this on Friday, we do want to wish someone a very happy birthday. Cool. Ken, you're old. <laughs> 21. 21. How I'm many years have you going for... on? I've been 21 for now 10 years. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank 10 you. years of 21. <laughs> a decade of 21. I'm, you still getting, that I, mark. I'm still getting carded everywhere I go, so it counts. You know what? You do. But that's only because your girlfriend looks like she's still 18. <laughs> I mean, so, I'll get carded without her, too. I don't believe that. Do you? It's because she's only like four, two, four, three. I'm just kidding. She's taller than that, but. <laughs> Um, but we do but want yes. to wish you a happy birthday. We well, are you, extremely happy to have you as one of the leaders on this podcast and very lucky but, uh, for putting it together. So thank on you, that thank note, you. leave your happy birthday wishes for Ken below. Um, if you're listening to after his birthday, you can still leave your happy birthday wishes to him on either our socials or below in the comments. Don't forget to like, share, Follow us on Instagram, YouTube. Um, Instagram is where we're the most active. Again, we probably will slow down just a little bit with the holidays coming up. And with that, we hope that you guys just have a wonderful weekend. And if you're listening to this on Monday, a wonderful week. And just prep for everything coming up the next couple months. So until then, guys, we'll catch you next time. Take care.